Hola mi gente. The moment you've been waiting for is finally here. My brand new book, Financially Lit, is officially out. And I can't wait for you to get your copy. Inside this book, I'm bringing you culturally relevant and relatable personal finance advice that will allow you to finally feel seen, heard, and understood. Whether it's the guilt you feel from being the first person to make it while members of your family are still struggling, or the way that financial trauma manifests itself in negative and limiting beliefs around money, Financially Lit is here to guide you through it all. Just a few years ago, it was almost impossible to find personal finance books written for first-generation wealth-building Latinas. We have been forced to navigate the complicated world of money with a bunch of money books written by old white dudes who don't understand what it's like for us first-gen kids. But that stops right here, right now. Inside Financially Lit, you will learn how to set boundaries with your familia, with your dinero, create and pass on generational wealth, diversify and increase your income, protect yourself from financial abuse, navigate the complicated relationship between amor and dinero, invest like a white dude or better, and so much more. You can get your hard copy and audiobook version of Financially Lit at financiallylitbook.com and make sure to join our email list so you can find out when I'm stopping in a city near you for the Financially Lit book tour. See you soon. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at PlushCare.com slash weight loss. That's PlushCare.com slash weight loss. PlushCare.com slash weight loss. I was like, well, why don't we take what you know and start packing it up into an online offer like I had done with social media. And so during the pandemic, I just started teaching free lessons, like free trainings, free workshops. I created a free Facebook group and twice a week, I would host a free workshop to essentially teach people how to pivot into the online space, how to turn their skills, their knowledge, whatever they could into an offer that they could sell. That is where the idea to what is now my signature program was born. And I remember having this light bulb moment at like one in the morning because you know that's when all of my best ideas come is when I'm trying to sleep and I spent an entire weekend mapping out this offer and I ended up launching that same Monday because I had been so excited about this and so that was a real pivotal moment because I had been giving so much free advice and support I had built that trust but also I had built a business you're listening to Yo Quiero Dinero a personal finance podcast for the modern Latina. I'm your host, Janice Torres, award-winning Latina personal finance expert. I didn't always have my financial shit together, but when I started looking for POC-friendly personal finance podcasts, I couldn't find any. And so Yo Quiero Dinero was born. On this show, I'll show you how to make dinero, how to keep your dinero, and most importantly, how to make it grow. Each week, I'm connecting you with the most brilliant minds in the world of money and business, so you can learn about investing, entrepreneurship, and building wealth. The best part? I'm dishing up all this knowledge with a sassy side of sazón. So if you're ready to be poderosa with your dinero, you've come to the right place. Let's dive in. Before we hop into today's conversation, I want to remind you to follow us on social. If you're loving this podcast and you want more community, you want to find out more about our events and all the stuff that we have going on behind the scenes, you can find us on Facebook, Twitter, TikTok, YouTube, Instagram, 
and everywhere else you love to hang out on the internet. If you're loving this podcast, please take a moment to leave us a review if you listen to us on Apple. It's the easiest way to share our podcast with people that you know and love, and it helps us get discovered by amazing listeners like you. So take a moment, leave us a review, share us with your friends and family, subscribe so that you never miss an episode, and make sure to check out our blog, YoQuieroDineroPodcast.com, where you can sign up for our email list and you'll never miss an episode. Plus, you get exclusive invitations to our live events, special discounts for our digital courses, and as always, our best personal finance tips and advice to help you be poderosa with your dinero. Thanks for listening. Now, let's get into the episode. Dulce, welcome to the podcast. So excited to have you here. You are one of my favorites in this business coaching space, especially as a Latina, as a fellow Latina. I want to give you your flowers and applaud you for the work that you do. I know many of your clients personally, you're doing God's work, girlfriend. So thank you for being here. (laughs) Thank you so much for having me. I'm so excited to be here. Absolutely. Okay. So first and foremost, let me know where you're joining me from because you are not only a badass business coach, but you're actually doing the digital nomad thing. And we're definitely going to talk about that. So tell me where in the world are we uh, talking from? We are currently talking from Cairo. I'm in Egypt at this time. Oh, wow. Okay. So how long have you been doing the digital nomad thing? 10 months now, actually. And so I've been doing this for 10 months and I moved to a new country every four to six weeks. First of all, the fact that you are willing to like live out of a suitcase, kudos to you, girl, because that's not easy. Okay. And then I can imagine, you know, language barriers and cultural differences and freaking jet lag. That's a lot. And we're going to talk about how you got to this point. But I imagine, you know, if you're like me and most of us first gen Latinas, maybe went to college, maybe yeah. had a regular schmegular corporate career that you were like, uh, is this what I'm supposed to do with my fucking life? And then you had a come to Jesus moment, <laughs> which led you down the path where you are now. So let's take a step back to the pre living your best life version of Dulce. What were you doing? What was your career choice? What did you go to school for? And what was the original plan? Oh my gosh. The original plan was the exact opposite of my life at this moment. I had that, being a child of immigrants, I had that plan of go to school, get good grades so that you could get into a good college, get a degree so that you could get a good job with benefits and climb the corporate ladder, buy the house, get married, have the family. That was the path that I knew to be the only path to success. And so same. Yeah. <laughs> that's the path I was on. And I actually started in corporate America. I did 10 years in corporate America actually before becoming an entrepreneur. And I started at a very young age. I actually was in high school when I got my first internship at a local financial institution. And I was an intern for maybe like six months before where I was offered a paid part-time position. And so I would work there part-time while going to school and full-time during the summer. And so working at this first corporate America job um, at such a young age would taught me so much in terms of, you know, corporate America, climbing the corporate ladder, navigating office politics, being a young, only woman of color in a, I'm from Idaho, so white, state, but also a very white company. And so that was like, okay, 
well, I guess I'm going to be in finance. So I decided to go to school and get my degree in finance and accounting, which now that I think about it, I was like, what what the hell was I thinking? But I went to school for finance and accounting and that job, I basically ended up working that job all of high school and that would pay for my college and get me through college before I got an opportunity to sort of pack up my things, leave Idaho and move to New York City, where I worked for another corporate America company, but this was a UK-based company that was looking for a Latina to work in Latin America. And so this was like the dream job because I'm young, fresh out of um, college, but I'm also one of the few people who has so much corporate America experience being straight out of college. And so I was able to quickly climb the corporate ladder at that job. And so again, this is like the only thing that is my, this is the only thing that I foresee in my future is like me climbing the corporate America ladder. So I'm like, heck yes, I'm on the right path. Um, And with this job, I am traveling the world. I was able to kind of move my way up to a director level position where I got to hire and manage my own team across New York, Miami to run global events in Latin America and then globally, um, UK, Africa, Australia, et cetera. And so it's crazy to think that I'm here now because I like that was always just sort of the plan before, you know, I even got to this place. Yeah, I think a lot of us have this moment where we awaken to the fact that we might not be aligned with what we want to do. What was that moment for you? So that moment for me was I actually landed in the hospital with a stomach lining full of ulcers because of the stress. So from the outside in, this job was glamorous. I was getting paid to travel the world, stay at five-star resorts, meeting C-level executives, meeting people from Shark Tank. And that like, it was incredible. But behind closed doors, I am not sleeping. I'm working 24-7. I'm navigating office politics. Honestly, just trying to survive this like very kind of cutthroat space. And so when I landed to the hospital, it was kind of like the pre-come to Jesus moment because I was like, they don't care about me no one's here to check up on me in the hospital. I'm here like by myself working for what that there was no like, you know, it was one of those like, wow, like you take a sort of inventory of what's important to you and what isn't. And so a few months later on my birthday, actually, that would be my birthday present to myself would be to hand in my resignation letter that year. Wow. Okay. So that is one hell of a birthday gift. And it's funny because I actually planned out when I quit, it was intended to be my birthday, but I got outed at work a couple of days early by a coworker who told my boss I was going to quit. No. Messy as hell. I know. I'm like, you know what? Well, this is exactly why I needed to fucking leave. But I love how we tie like these monumental decisions that we're going to make to a special day, like your birthday. Now, did you have like a plan because I know for me, like I'm hella type A, I need to have a plan A through Z. So I set up a bunch of shit in the background before I was able to quit. You know, like I had my emergency fund. I was like talking to my husband about health insurance. Like, what are we going to do for retirement? All these things. Did you do the same? I wish I could say I was that responsible (laughs) at that time, but no, (laughs) no, I just had this confidence that I know that I'm good at what I do, like whatever it is that I do, because I saw my mom just sort of hustling growing up. She was a single parent of five kids in a country where she didn't even speak the language. So to me, I was like, you know what, I like I can do this. I can make this work. I will figure it out. And so 
no, I did not have like a plan. I had enough savings to last me a couple of months because I also did live in New York, such an expensive city. But my plan was to basically figure out a plan. Got it. Okay. So we are just like <laughs> YOLOing our way to success. I'm here for it. Okay. Yes. So what were those initial thoughts for you? Like, what was the plan? How did you decide this is the route I'm going to take in my new entrepreneurial journey? So this is what I would call like the messy middle of my sort of my just career journey overall. So I'm sort of, I I call it like the messy freelance middle because I was looking for another job. I didn't envision myself not working for a company still, but at the same time, I was hustling my way through New York City. I was networking. I was picking up odd jobs left and right, working in events, working in marketing for small brands, for big brands. I started really developing like social media and learning how to use social media to build brands. So I started becoming a social media manager sort of thing and found a real knack for it. So during this sort of messy middle, I am still one foot in and looking for a job in corporate America and the other foot out sort of picking up whatever job I can to pay the bills and survive in such an expensive city. And so that's sort of what I do for a couple of years. I wish there was this like really straightforward, did this and did that, but it's never like that. And so I kind of want to normalize a little bit that messiness that comes when you are still trying to figure things out because I was also like, it was so ingrained in me to climb the corporate ladder in corporate America. It took years for me to be like, oh, I can be an entrepreneur. I can do this on my own. That didn't happen right away. That wasn't an instant like, oh, well, I'm just going to be my own boss. And so during this messy middle, I'm really navigating both. And when I finally do get the final corporate America job that I will be in, I thought it was like a sign from the universe because it was a very niche position where I would be working for another US-based company, but it would be in the finance industry and I'd be working in Latin America again, which was what I was pretty well known for in my corporate America career was every role I ever got was because I was Latina and bilingual and I could speak business in both languages. And so I was like, oh, this is perfect. But so now I have this nine to five and I am still on my side hustle working with social media management clients when I'm introduced to the coaching space. And um, one of the things that I had kind of quickly realized was there was this gap in the market of the small business owner who couldn't afford to hire my services as a social media manager, but they needed to be able to use social media for their business, but they had no idea how. And so that is actually where my very first digital product came into play, where I started social media coaching and created my first social media course, La Vida Social, that would eventually get me to a place that would match my nine to five income and would be the pivotal moment that would be make me realize okay, I can go on my own full time. And so I ended up quitting my last corporate America job to grow my social media coaching business. Wow, that's fantastic. Okay, so I think one of the things that, I don't know, for better, for worse, can inspire some people, but can also discourage them is a lot of the marketing that we see around business coaching, where it's just like, hey, I made six figures in two weeks. Mm-hmm. Um mm-hmm. No, you didn't, Uh, (laughs) especially not in the beginning. Yes. So what was that initial process like for you? How long did it actually take you to scale your business to a place where you could effectively replace your salary? Mm. So 
So let me clarify one thing, because before I became a business coach, I was a social media coach. So I first grew a social media coaching business into a six-figure business before I started teaching people as a business coach. And I think that's, um, you know, that's, I think, a kind of sort of a clear distinction. And so with the social media coaching business, that's where I was able to have failed launches, have every no possible of like, why would I pay this much money for social media? Like that was, you know, so many failures, so many learning moments that would be what would eventually. So essentially what happened was the pan- when the pandemic hit, I was social media coaching. I had my social media management clients. I had private social media clients, and then I had my social media course. So I had three different avenues of making income that was well, how to match my corporate America income. And then the pandemic hits and a lot of my clients are brick and mortar business owners who were having to close their doors. What do I do? How do I make income? How do I pay my employees? They'll say, I don't know that I can keep working with you. And this is where I was like, well, why don't we just take what you know and start packing it up into an online offer like I had done with social media. And so during the pandemic, I just started teaching free lessons, like free trainings, free workshops. I created a free Facebook group and twice a week I would host a free workshop to essentially teach people how to pivot into the online space, how to turn their skills, their knowledge, whatever they could into an offer that they could sell. And so um, that is where the idea to what is now my signature program, Pivoting Digital, that's where that was born. And I remember just having this like light bulb moment at like one in the morning because you know that's when all of my best ideas come is when I'm trying to sleep and I spent an entire weekend mapping out this offer and I ended up like launching that same Monday because I had been so excited about this and so that was a real pivotal moment because I had been giving so much just free advice and support. I had built that trust, but also I had built a business to sort of back up something I was going to be teaching how to do with social media coaching. And that is sort of the pivotal moment where during COVID, so many entrepreneurs who were wanting to, how do I make income? How do I pay my employees? How do I keep my doors open and my, like my pay my rent for my buildings? They were able to create new streams of income. They were able to keep their businesses afloat. They were able to make money when no one knew how to make money during that time. And in result, my own business, that's where we hit six figures in less than six months. And we're a multiple six figure business in less than a year. Wow. That's Amazing. And I want folks not to focus so much on the metrics, right? Of the how quickly it happened, because I think what is the gem there is your ability to identify exactly what your clients needed and then delivering that in a way that was going to help them get to concrete, tangible results, right? And I think that's the key where people get stuck. Mm-hmm. How do you figure out what the hell people want so that you're not spinning your wheels and creating bullshit that doesn't sell, right? Because then once that happens once, it's good, it's like super discouraging, but then it's also just like, who was your ideal client? What mm-hmm. problem did they have? How are you able to solve it? And how are you able to communicate that? Mm-hmm. So what was that process like for you? Like, how did you gather that information from your clients? It was from need. It was from listening to my own clients of like, how am I going to make money? And so I didn't initially go into like, oh, I'm going to create this this new business idea. It was just me 
serving my community. That was because it was, you know, at the beginning of pandemic when it was like, we really had no idea how long this, you know, remember when we thought it was going to be for 30 days and like a few months later, and we're still like, what's happening? It was honestly completely out of just need and service for my community. This is what they were needing. So I was just creating free workshops, free resources and putting myself out there. And so this is where I think market research is such an incredible part of before you do anything, it's you can have an incredible idea, but you also need to know, does your community need this? Do they want this? Or not even have the right community for this offer that you're wanting to serve. So not being afraid to just ask the question. Like so many people like very focused on just like, okay, this is what I'm going to do. And this is the only way where it's like, be open to taking in that feedback, pivoting as you need and creating something that the market needs. Such important information there. Okay. Now let's talk about what, I think there's like two schools of thought. If I have to break them down for like business coaching, there are business coaches who are like, do all the things. And then there's coaches that are like, pick one (laughs) (laughs) and do it very well. Right. And, and keep honing in on that shit until it's repeatable, scalable, et cetera. What is your opinion on that, you know, either strategy and which one do you teach your clients? Um, I think, I think there's a million ways to be successful. Um, And I think for the way that I teach, and this is why I really like working with creative entrepreneurs um, is because creatives have a million ideas left and right and good ideas, and they're constantly having good ideas. So sometimes that is what sort of leads to this like analysis paralysis where they have so many ideas, they don't know what to do with them, which one to pursue, like sort of what to do next. And so with my own clients, we do start off with, okay, let's look at all of your ideas that you have. Which of these ideas are you considering because you feel like you have to or you should because of other factors that have been told to you, not necessarily because you're passionate or excited about something because you can be good at something but not want to monetize it and oftentimes that's really hard for us to be able to see so first we remove anything that's a should or I have to or I need to because if there's an obligation attached to it you're not going to be excited about it enough to want to go through the hard parts of entrepreneurship with that idea and then we sort of like okay so what ideas do we have left and which ones are Is there a market need for it at this moment? And are you also excited about to pursue? But also, can we sort of turn into a profitable offer in the shortest period of time? Because when you're able to see one idea all the way through how it works, you're then able to come on the other side being like, okay, so these are the lessons learned. This is what I like. This is what I didn't like. I now get to make the choice to pursue and becoming better at this idea from collected data and from learned experiences versus just throwing spaghetti at the wall and playing this guessing game, right? I really teach my clients to just to learn to make decisions and CEO decisions from collecting data rather than relying on the emotion and feelings at that time. It's like you now proven to yourself that you can sell an offer but did you like the idea? Do you want to pivot or do you want to continue improving on this idea and going all in? To answer your question, we do focus on one idea and see it all the way through so that then that one idea can pay for any future ideas that you have. Yeah, I love that strategy because it forces you to make a decision, see it through 
And it also sounds like you give people permission to change their mind if this was not the first thing that works, right? And I think there's a lot of guilt in like making an investment of time, of energy, of money, and it just not panning out the first time. But it's like, y'all, none of us got this shit right the first time. I don't know who fucking lied to you and told you that like the brilliance that you see now just came out of like divine spiritual guidance and we didn't fuck up once. Like I'm constantly screwing up even today, you know, like, ugh, it's part of the game. And you have to embrace the fact that your clarity will actually come from the action. Yeah. And, you know, and that's why, like, that's why I always kind of remind people that before I had a business coaching business that hit six figures in less than six months, I had a social media coaching business that did not hit six figures in a year. It took longer than a year to hit that place. It took a lot of failing, a lot of no's, a lot of lessons learned. But when I was able to pivot, I was able to pivot from a completely different level of experience. And if I would have just quit the first time I got no on my first on a sales call or the first time I launched and got zero people interested in, I wouldn't be here today. Absolutely, y'all. It is a long term game. Do not let the get rich quick schemes and the instant gratification be the thing that like discourages you because it's not grounded in reality. This shit takes time. Along those same lines, I think there's also a lot of analysis paralysis around where do we best effectively show up for our business, right? Because like you being in social media, it can feel sometimes like if I'm not fucking doing TikToks and doing Instagram lives and tweeting and hosting discussions on Clubhouse and I have a beautifully curated Pinterest board and a YouTube channel that comes out with three fucking episodes a week, then I'm not going to make any progress. Yeah. What's your stance on that? Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. Selling a little or a lot. Shopify helps you do your thing however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online store shop phase to the first real life store stage, all the way to the, did we just hit a million orders stage? Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell everywhere. From their all-in-one e-commerce platform to their in-person POS system, wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify has got you covered. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 36% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. And sell more with less effort thanks to Shopify Magic, your AI-powered all-star. What I love about Shopify is how no matter how big you want to grow, Shopify gives you everything you need to take control and take your business to the next level. Shopify powers 10% of all e-commerce in the U.S., 
and Shopify's the global force behind Allbirds, Rothy's, and Brooklinen, and millions of other entrepreneurs of every size across 175 countries. Plus, Shopify's award-winning help is there to support your success every step of the way. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash dinero, all lowercase. Go to shopify.com slash dinero now to grow your business no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash dinero. Oh, I, I would say that this is like the biggest takeaway that I did take from corporate America. So the way that I look at my business and the way that I teach my clients to look at their business and how to even structure is like implementing CEO days and assigning each department in their company, even though right now they are the department head in each part of their company, they still need to assign it time and to honor the boundaries of the time that they've given. So for example, right, in corporate America, you have your CMO, your CTO, you have you like HR, you've got someone who's running at every different division. Well, as a solopreneur, you can have a CEO day where you dedicate time for marketing. And that's where social media and email can come into play, right? Operations, this is where sort of like your systems and your strategies and your tech can come into play. And so the way that I tell my clients is to just give every task that you have to do as an entrepreneur, give it its department dedicated time in your calendar, focus on that and be really clear on, okay, what do I need to do during my finance meeting during my CEO day or for marketing, right? For marketing, the plan is I'm focusing on one social media platform right now. Which platform is it going to be on? What are you going to be doing for that platform? And then once you've completed everything that you needed to, and if you have time, okay, let's then kind of maybe add a secondary platform or focus on a different avenue for marketing. But really having sort of that structured mentality, I think has really just sort of helped my clients be able to organize their time and their day and not feel that overwhelmed, but also always remind them that they don't have to start trying to do it all at once. Because if you try to do it all at once, you're going to end up doing nothing and you're going to be burnt out before Friday. Like you're not even going to make it a full week in this place. It's start at one, start with one thing, nail down that thing, get it to a place where it's like a well-oiled machine. If you could potentially or outsource it, amazing. You outsource like, you know, say you're outsourcing your Pinterest, then you can focus on like LinkedIn, right? Master the LinkedIn, eventually outsource it. Let's move on to the next platform. So it's taking it one step at a time and being okay with that. Remembering that this is a long-term game where it's not an overnight success, as you mentioned. (laughs) Yes. Thank you for the reminder, because I cannot tell you the amount of people who have come to me that are just like, I just want to do like Facebook ads because then that's going to sell my course. And I'm just like- Ma'am, you're not even selling your course organically. The fuck are you talking about? You're going to start paying money to some algorithm to go and sell your shit? You don't even know the messaging that you need for a Facebook ad to do well because you haven't right. mastered the organic part yourself, which is why I'm I'm so adamant on organic marketing and people not wasting money at, when they don't need to at the beginning of their business because that's where disappointment and that's how people quit before they were even even had a chance to get started. Absolutely all. I promise you, you're only going to get real talk on this show. And the real talk is that there are levels to this. Yes. Okay. If you are comparing your day one to somebody who's been doing this shit for 10 years, just fucking quit now because there is no way you're going to be able to 
you know, surmount the just constant reinforcement of inferiority and you're not good enough and you can't do this because you're comparing some shit to something that is completely irrelevant to your current experience. Exactly. So you've been able to do this thing that I think so many people have, you know, aspirations to do is like creating a six figure business. Now you're a digital nomad. One thing I want to know is in your journey, at what point did you realize you can't do this shit alone, right? Because, you know, the solopreneur life is cute for a little while until you're working like 17 hours a day, seven (laughs) days a week. And you're just like, yo, I didn't even sign up for this shit. Like I was already working my ass off at corporate America and I'm going to do this for myself. Um, So what did that process look like for you? When did you decide that, okay, enough is enough. I need to hire help. And how did you prioritize the help that you decided to onboard? Because in corporate America, I got the opportunity to quite literally hire my own team from start to finish, from writing the job descriptions to doing the three sets of interviews, onboarding them and training them. I really take that exact same strategy that I used in corporate for my team and I do it for myself. But one thing that I quickly realized was I, for me personally, I didn't quite need full-time team members at that time, it really started off small with hiring contractors. And I think there's this like, there's this feeling in the online space that you have to hire an operations, you know, like an OBM off the bat, um, someone to do all of this. And that can be pretty scary and overwhelming, especially if you're you've never hired before or don't know where to start. So I always recommend starting with contractors with certain areas of your business where you know how they run, you know how they like them. And the way that I look at this, I want to hire people who are better than me in that specific area. I want them to own their zone of genius. And that is a very humbling experience to do because if you can't let go of the fact that like you're going to have to trust other people to do certain things in your business and they're going to be able to do them better for you and you want them to excel in that position because it only benefits and supports you. So it's a lot of, I would say a lot of mindset work to begin with. And I started off with contractors like that for me was kind of like a great way to ease into it because it's one thing for me to have hired in corporate America where, you know, they were paying their salaries. And it's another one where now I am the CEO with sort of also having to learn, okay, leadership and building out my team and what exactly is that going to look like? And so for me, it was really starting off small and hiring niche people versus general, anyone who's like, oh, I can do everything for you. Um, I don't trust you because I actually teach my clients not to do everything, you know, like to pick their (laughs) niche and be really good at their niche. Yeah. So what was those first um, areas of your business that you outsourced? So the first areas of my business were anything that I just didn't love, you know, like the the website building or the back end of my business, which is Kajabi, Dubsado, the, the tech stuff that I used to really enjoy it. But now I feel like it's my time is best spent doing what I'm really good at, which is coaching and attracting new clients and building my community, hiring someone to do the back end stuff that I just didn't need to be wasting hours on. So like someone to run the back end of my business. So tech, Kajabi, Dipsado. And I'm actually currently in the process of a hire that's sort of 
not for the business, but for the business, which I am hiring a travel assistant to support me on my current journeys because it takes a lot of time. And while I can do it, sure, I can do all things. I'm not here to do all things. I'm here to do my things. And for me, it's coaching. And so that was one of those things that I've recently become like, okay, this is the next step for me. It's really just about buying back your time. And you want to make the time that you spend in your business as enjoyable as possible, right? And like, as you reach those financial milestones, it gives you the runway to now be able to get that help, which then will help you have the energy and the capacity to think about your next offer, think about your next lead magnet, all these things. So I think it's so important to know that it is a exercise in learning to let go so you can grow. Yeah. And also being okay with failing at hiring at the beginning, because we also put this big like responsibility on our shoulders that we're, we have to find the right person and that you're going to find the right person the first time around. It's just like everything else, right? It's sort of trial and error. You have to do like when my private clients are ready to build out their teams and they're hiring, it's just like we do a who is your dream community assignment? We do who is your dream employee? What are the skill sets that they have? What are their characteristics? You know, what are their zone of geniuses that will complement yours for your business? It's getting clear on what is it that you need, who you're looking for, but also being okay with they might not be like here for the rest of the journey. It's also trial and error. So be okay at being a newbie in that area. As yeah, well. I love that. One thing that I learned was to try to outsource something that you're not an expert in yourself is difficult. So you should already know exactly how a process works in your business, what exactly the result is that you want, how to replicate that result. Because if you're just going to go and send somebody blind, you don't even know what you want and you don't even know what the hell to tell them to do. Y'all going to be spinning your wheels and you're going to be paying somebody to do a whole lot of nothing. Yeah. You're just going to be throwing just money <laughs> out the window. Like, I don't know about you, but you know, I like to keep my money. (laughs) (laughs) Absolutely. Ain't nobody got time for that. So one of the things that I did is I started creating SOPs or standard Mm -hmm. operating procedures, because I think especially from my engineering background, like that to me was very, it was just a natural part of like how my brain worked at that point, because that's literally what I was doing in my career, just like writing processes for things and making sure that even the smallest step that you think doesn't matter should be written down because if that shit gets lost in translation somewhere, that product you're making, that pharmaceutical drug you're making, like somebody's going to die. So, you know, while what we're doing right now is not that serious, just understanding that there is a purpose to every step of your process and making sure that people understand that. I think it helps to avoid a lot of those conversations where maybe you would feel frustrated that somebody's not delivering what you want, but at the same time, are you giving them the tools? Yeah, right? they have what they need to be successful at their jobs that you have hired them for. So did you Absolutely. turn those SOPs into like an online course essentially and just record yourself doing them and just upload them into an online course? I should, but that's, um, that's no, I have not. <laughs> I I have them as Google Docs and it's part of my onboarding process. So when I bring on a team member, so it makes things very simple. I love that. Yeah. Okay. So let's talk about where your journey as a digital nomad comes into play here, right? Because it's one thing to be a digital entrepreneur, which I am, but I do it from my house for the most part. (laughs) Now that I have probably as much flexibility as you, because I do have a husband and 
I can't just disappear for six months at a time, even though I'd love to sometimes. <laughs> so how did that start for you? Like, what was the light bulb moment that you were like, I could be living my dream travel life while also building my dream business? Yeah, well, I think it was really just after a year and a half in like lockdown, I was just desperate to get out. And so I had traveled a lot for corporate America. As I had mentioned, I had I was a part time New Yorker at the time because I was traveling for work like two weeks out of the month every month for over four years. So I lived out of airports and hotels. And I loved the getting to visit places. But I hated doing it for work. Because when you travel for work, it's not as glamorous as one might think you are literally just on the company's time. So you're living at the hotels and you don't actually get to see and experience the cultures as much as you would like to. And so I've always known I wanted to travel, but I actually, for me during COVID, I was like, oh, I have this vision of doing van life. And that's what I thought I was going to do for the longest time. I actually had already talked to the van builder when I was like, you know what, this is, but even by the time this thing is built out, it's going to be months from now because everyone is doing van life right now. So they're really backed up. And I was like, I just, I need to go somewhere. And so I was like, oh, well, what if I just go to Mexico city for like a month? And so I sort of found my flight. I decided I was going to go. I'm like, perfect. I'm going to sleep on it, but I couldn't sleep on it. So I opened Facebook and I get an ad for this program where you could travel for four months, work remotely. They plan everything. And they started off in Mexico in 30 days. And I was like, oh my God, this is a sign. I'm going to do it. That same night, I put in my application. The following day, I had my call. I got accepted. And that was like, oh, well, you know what? If I'm going to do this for four months, I might as well. Why, why am I coming back? I might as well do this permanently. And so within a 30 day, and this is sort of like a pattern in my life, because when I first left Idaho and moved to New York, that was in a two week period. And that was when I sold all my, my clothes, my furniture, I sold my car, I packed up two suitcases, moved to New York City. And since being in New York, I always lived a very minimal lifestyle, because that for me was such a wow, if this can happen to me once, it might be able to happen again. So I just always want to be ready to pick up and move anytime, at any point. If someone offers me a job in Australia, I want to be able to just pick up and go, no strings attached to anything. And so when this happened and I was like, okay, I guess in 30 days I'm leaving. So I like, I really had four weeks to sort of get my things together. I bought a little storage. I moved, you know, whatever small stuff I had in storage. I, I told my family like two weeks before I was leaving because I hadn't quite figured out how to tell them. And yeah. And so that was sort of the start that made me just realize I was like, oh, I guess I really have no reason to not do this full time. Why, why would I come back? I've been building this business on my laptop. All I need is a computer and a phone. Why not? And so this yeah. is where we are 10 months later. <laughs> oh my God. Hashtag goals. I'm so here <laughs> for it. Okay. You mentioned mentioning this to your family and I did the exact same thing to my mother. I told her like two weeks before I was moving to Florida that I was leaving and she didn't fucking talk to me for like <laughs> up until like basically I left. So how did your family take it? Like, were they shocked? Were they just like, "Ah, oh, this is Dulce. You know, we're not surprised. What was the reaction? Yeah, I think um, by this point, they're not surprised because um, when I first left for New York and I 
never came to visit really. And I just built a life out there and was traveling the world. They just, I think my family has accepted that this is just who I am. I'm very just free spirited. And it took some use getting used to for my mom, for sure. But they've kind of just realized that this is who who I'm going to be. Yeah. <laughs> I love that you're so unapologetic about who you are, because I think especially, you know, as Latinas, we feel a lot of familial obligations and we let a lot of that cloud what we truly want in life, right? It's just like the opinions of others, the judgment, all of that shit can stop you from living the life that you want. And at some point, you don't have to let that shit go, guys, because that's your life. You know, we don't get a do-over. We don't get a second chance to be like, maybe I should have done this. So. I love that. Also come with time. Like when I, that familiar obligation that you have as a Latina is so strong and it's so hard to sort of do completely different. And a pivoting moment with my mother specifically was when I decided where to go to college, I decided to stay local in my hometown for her. And for those four years, our relationship was really strained because she felt that resentment because I just always needed to get out of, I'm from Idaho. Like we didn't travel growing up. I needed an out. And so I made that out of familiar obligation. I stayed in the state to be close to home. And she just, it kind of took a lot of open communication and dialogue and a lot of honesty between us for her to kind of get to a place that she was going to accept that this is who I am. And so that was a very hard time for us, but it has what made us to get to where we are here, where she's very accepting of, I'm not going to have that traditional life that you grew up with in Mexico. Yeah, that I I feel like we're so much on the same page with that. And I feel like the distance has almost helped my parents respect me more as like an individual and an adult. And I'm wondering if it's been the same experience for you. Yeah, definitely. I think my mom is always like, I don't know where you got this from. Like, because my my siblings are all in Idaho. And she's like, I don't know where you got this from. But I'm proud of you. (laughs) I love that. That's what matters. Okay, so I know that for me, solo travel has been transformational in just like me connecting with a part of me that I didn't even fucking know existed. And just like, I have this sense of confidence, like as who I am and as a mujer just out here in the world that I didn't have before I started doing it. What's been your experience? Like what are some of the biggest lessons or takeaways that you've had about yourself in this journey? I would say one of the biggest ones has been most recently where I am living this, this dream life and I am obsessed with the life that I've been able to create with myself. But at the same time, all of the baggage, the unhealed trauma, the stuff that I hadn't really sort of taken care of that comes with you. It doesn't go away just because you make more money or you start living your dream life. And I've learned that the hard way. And so traveling solo has really forced me to just look at myself in a deeper way and start working on healing my generational trauma and start looking at and working on things that, you know, I maybe wouldn't have otherwise, because I would have always just been so in my day to day mundane stuff and, and doing that. And at the same time, it's also kind of just forced me to just put myself out there like never before and meet new people. I literally like when I moved to a new country, 
because I'm moving every four to six weeks, my relationships are short and sweet, right? But like I will go, I will find a local either gym or cafe and I will become a regular there so I can get this familiarity of like home, right? I'm a regular somewhere. And even if they don't know my name or if we have a language barrier, they see me every day. So there's a little bit of that. And so it's those little things that really force you to put yourself out of your comfort zone and just really become more self-aware as to what you like, what you don't like, how you want to sort of live your life, what's important to you. So many little things. Yeah, I love that. And thank you for your honesty, because um, that mindset work is something you'll confront as a solo traveler, as a digital nomad, and as a business owner. I mean, y'all, like, there's so much shit to unpack, okay? Oh, yeah. Um, <laughs> don't let it scare you, though. It's all part of the growth. So let's finish this off with what's your best advice for somebody who knows that they have something they want to share with the world, but they are overwhelmed with how to start? Okay. So start with like getting clear on what excites you. What are you excited about? Kind of like what we talked about at the beginning, where like brain dump all of your ideas, remove any of those ideas that are an idea because you feel like you have to do it or you should do it or because you're good at it, but it doesn't spark any sort of, you know, joy, Marie Kondo, that crap. Remove it as an option and pers- like, and then start experimenting with pursuing just one idea, right? Whether it is starting a business or maybe going and taking pottery classes or putting yourself out there and going to a workout class by yourself. It's like those little things. But from a business perspective, if there's an idea that you're wanting to pursue, just start talking about it. Start talking about what you're so passionate about. Share your story. How does that sort of relate? Start really just having conversations, but then also find Facebook group, LinkedIn group, start kind of even, you know, the actions don't have to be so, okay, I'm going to monetize this and make a business out of it. It can literally just start with pursuing, like, is this something I'm really passionate about it long-term or can I meet other like people in the field? Can I connect with other people? Can I network with other people who have these same like-minded, minded thoughts and sort of start there and start to gather inspiration as to like, okay, what could this idea or possibly look like this passion of mine that I'm wanting to to pursue and then if you're finding yourself and you're talking about it and you're getting people like because when you're excited about something other people notice and they reach out and they can sense that energy and they're like I don't know what you're working on but like you're just a different you're glowing what is that like keep chasing that right and so then kind of get clear on, all right, well, what is my my first next step? Do I need to watch some YouTube videos? Because people automatically assume they've got to invest. And you don't. You just got to be resourceful. And resourceful, you can Google, YouTube. Literally, like, you can learn everything for free on the internet, right? So start there and start kind of learning things, picking up on things, what pursue things. But just start with being resourceful and Again, being okay to fail at it or mess up. Yes. But then when you are ready, like either to pursue that bigger or take that next step, then yeah, find, you know, a coach, find a mentor, find someone to support you in taking this idea that you're having, taking that to the next step. Because when you invest in yourself, it's like you're not only telling your idea, but you're telling yourself in the universe that I'm serious about pursuing this. I'm going to give it my all and I'm going to go all in. Mm. Y'all, I could not have said that better myself because it's literally been my journey. I start talking about what I've done. 
people start DMing me like, oh my God, can you teach me how to do this? I'm like, okay, I guess. Like that wasn't part of the plan, but <laughs> sure. And then next thing you know, you got a fucking business. Like it's it sounds stupid, but that's literally how I started Yo Quiero Dinero. Mm-hmm. I literally started coming on the internet and on a podcast and talking about my experience what I've been learning about, you know, blogging and financial independence and my own journey to get to those places. And that is what people connect with. They connect with the story. They don't connect with the fucking Facebook ad. Okay. Like I promise you, it's really about you showing up, right? Like just show up. People respect the results when they've seen the journey, but you've got to start by sharing that journey. Mm, I think that's the quote of the of the episode. Dulce, uh, <laughs> this has been an amazing conversation. I know folks are going to want to find out so much more about you once they listen to this podcast. So where's the best place for us to follow you, find you, and work with you? Best place to connect with me is Instagram at dulce.toscano. It goes down in stories, honestly, the day-to-day like life and travel, especially as, as a digital nomad. And to work with me, I work with my clients as private coaching or in my signature program inside of Pivoting Digital, where I even have an entire page dedicated to client results and testimonials and really just all of the social proof that you need to make the best informed decision, whether I'm the right coach for you. And if you want to chat, just reach out. I love it. And thank you for the work that you do, especially to empower women in our community to take their dreams seriously and just create them into reality, right? I think we need so many more people in our space who are giving ourselves permission to question the bullshit that we've been told about what we're capable of and really just start creating the life and the business that we can be proud of and, and you know, start building an amazing legacy. So thank you for what you do. Thank you. Thank you for what you do. I love your content and your podcast is honestly one of the top and it's like, we need more Latinas in the space like you. And so thank you for your work. Thank you. How would you like to look five years younger in a clinical study? People that had volume added with Juvederm Voluma XC in the cheeks perceived themselves as looking five years younger at six months after treatment. Look younger, feel like you. Add volume for lift and contour in the cheeks with Juvederm Voluma XC. Reverse signs of aging by adding volume to smooth laugh lines with Juvederm Volure XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. Thanks for listening to today's episode. If you are ready to take your dinero to the next level, sign up for our free 14-page guide, The Financially Lit Latina, the ultimate blueprint for becoming poderosa with your dinero. This 14-page guide includes our best tips on money mindset, budgeting, debt repayment, career, investing, financial independence, side hustles, and more. And you can get it completely free. 
So to get your copy of the Financially Lit Latina, just head over to YoQuieroDineroPodcast.com slash start. That's YoQuieroDineroPodcast.com slash start and start transforming your dinero story today. Until next time, stay empowered, stay inspired, and stay poderosa. On the Yo Quiero Dinero podcast and associated entities, all information provided is for general information purposes only and does not constitute accounting, legal, tax, or other professional advice. Listeners should not act upon the content or information found here without first seeking appropriate advice from an accountant, financial planner, lawyer, or other professional. We assume no responsibility for information contained on this podcast and associated entities and disclaim all liability with respect to such information, including but not limited to any liability for errors, inaccuracies, omissions, or misleading or defamatory statements. Usage of this podcast and associated content constitutes an explicit understanding and acceptance of the terms of this disclaimer.